cliffcentral.com. Welcome to it. Hope you're enjoying the new theme tune for this morning. I always try to give you something different for an intro. So here it is. Lyrics Born, Calling Out. Well, a big weekend of champions. The All Blacks did it what everyone was expecting to do. 18 wins out of 18. I've got a great clip for you about Michael Checker basically saying, well, screw you guys. He was a very, very irate Aussie. Uh, the Cheetahs, well, they were incredible as well. It looked very one-sided all through the week. And then come game day, they delivered a 20-point hiding. They were a bit shy on the tries. They squandered so many opportunities. I mean, what, what could that score have been if they were as clinical against the Bulls as they were against the Lions? Talking of champions, Jose Mourinho and his Manchester United team are looking anything but that at the moment. A 4-0 drubbing yesterday at Chelsea. Imagine that. You go back to a place which you kind of felt was home, Stamford Bridge, and you take an absolute dicking. First goal, 30 seconds. Wow, how incredible was that? Huh? I mean, we all knew it was going to be tense, but the way Man United are playing, you know, Greg, who works here at Cliff Central, he's a big Liverpool fan, and he was saying after watching how they played against Liverpool and that whole defensive negative mindset, all Chelsea had to do was find a little chink here and there, and they went through. And, uh, well, 30 seconds, huh? How about that? I'll play that clip for you in a bit. Um, got a great show to you today because I have Lance Isaacs. Now, he is a motor racing icon in this country, really. He's a guy that went started off from BMXs all the way through to the top bikes. So he's not scared, put it that way. Speed clearly does thrill him. But he's a guy who's traveled the world. He's done amazing things around motorcycling. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a festival he's involved in where you can actually go and meet him. You can go on an outride with him. Um, he was pretty good on the track alone this weekend. So lots to chat about with him. Also just chatting about motorbiking in general. Um, I myself am a commuter. I ride a small bike to work every day because it makes a lot of sense. So if you have any questions and you are listening live, uh, feel free to chat to me uh, just on Twitter at followthebounce. That's always the best way to go about it. And you can ask Lance anything you want about motorbikes. Couldn't get any more experienced guy in South Africa right now, I bet. Good track. Uh, yeah, then the other usual about wrapping up about the Springboks. They didn't play on the weekend, obviously, so people aren't so morbid. But the uh, squad was announced for the end-of-year tour. So, well, there's some old faces, there's some exclusions, but there's quite a bit of heat, um, quite a bit of spice around this whole Dwayne Vermeulen thing. Now, as you could see, I was going at length to basically describe how he said, Dwayne Vermeulen said himself that he wasn't fit enough, and then his wife's having a child, and he just seemed a little bit too elaborate the way he was describing all of this. And uh, to me, I don't know, it just sounds like risky business because, you know, Dwayne's did say that things in SA rugby right now are quite toxic and uh, something has to change. And, you know, you can't speak up against administrators in this country. They're very petty, very small-minded individuals. I mean, look at Franz Dane. That guy's been killing it right now. I know we've been saying this for years now. He does so well in the Northern Hemisphere. Bring him back. Get him in this remote fold. Of course, he walked out of it not so long ago. And uh, like I wouldn't say we're in a center crisis in SA right now, but with Jean de Jong not going on tour, Damien de Allen's form being sketchy at best, France Dane was a shoe-in for this tour. But he's not in. Dwayne Vermeulen, he's not in. These are two guys that's had things to say against the Springboks, and, well, they're no longer in the mix. So lots to discuss. We're going to get Lance in the studio any minute now. Uh, but before we get him in, I'm going to play a couple of clips for you. First up, we've got Michael Checker being, well, being an Aussie. I love this guy. He's so great for sport. Here he is being asked about the All Blacks run of 18 consecutive wins. 
and basically how he feels after the dribbling that they got in the weekend. Do you, do you have a comment on what the All Blacks have been able to achieve with their 18 wins in a row? Oh, mate, I don't think they really want my comment anyway. You know? Well, no, they don't. You know? They dressed us up as clowns today, so they wouldn't really want our comment. I don't think they, want, they respect our comment anyway, so we won't make one. When you say they dress you up as clowns, what's the... It was on the front page of the paper, bro. So they dress us up as clowns, and that's... that's didn't do that. Well, that's where... Uh, I think that's the same guy who reported the supposed bug, isn't it, as well? Where'd that come from? You know what I mean? So that's, that's the way it is. That's fine. But they don't need our comments. They don't need... We obviously go out there to play the game with them, and they're an, an unbelievably good team, right? They're so, you know, strong. Their bench is very strong. They come on and finish games. The way they play the game is outstanding. No doubt about that. But I don't think they need our comments. So between the lines, do you, do you take that as a mark of disrespect? Um, that, 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 that illustration on the paper today? No, mate, just, you know. Yeah, well, I do, mate. Just on that, there was a newspaper which depicted the Aussies as clowns that went out that weekend. Uh, it's a really big newspaper in, in New Zealand that often pulls the piss out of opposition. So this is where this question comes from, which Stephen Moore is irate about. Yeah, absolutely. They've put the crest on, you know, that's our crest and, you know, our stuff. I think there's a, look, it's no big deal, really. But at the end of the day, you asked me about the comment. And like I said, if we get back to the question, I don't think they really need, they they don't want my comments or or our comments. They're not interested in them. They've got, they've achieved what they're achieving and they're going extremely well. Full credit to them. Stephen, are you able to elaborate on what you thought of that illustration and what the team thought of something like that? Uh... I don't want to talk too much about it, but you know, when when I think about the way the jersey's portrayed in that picture, you know, for everyone that's put pulled that on in the history of the Wallabies, I think that's pretty disrespectful. Yeah, so they're, they're pretty upset. You can watch this whole clip. If you go into the bounce of Cedo Zede after the show, you get all the clips of the whole show, of course. Uh, Arsenal, they were. Sorry, I'm just doing a bit well, doing a bit ill at the moment. Um, Arsenal over the weekend, they were top of the log for about 10 minutes and some, some of their fans thought this was a really big thing. But then, uh, cue Arsenal TV to give you some perspective about this. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, very, 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 Don't very tell me you're going to come here now, so you look, I told no. you lot. The, no. the, the, the. All I'm going to say, say I'm going to say that I did tell you it's only October. Stop saying, I'm, I'm over there and hearing people singing we're top of the league. Fools. We are top of the league. I don't well, care. Moment, I don't care. League. It's October. You're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment. I could bring out 10 fucking banners and it still won't be as embarrassing as singing we're top of the league in October. Fucking idiots. The bottom of the league. We're not bottom of the league, don't I we? I don't care, Robbie. It's stupid. Where, when's a good time to sing Relax. it? Man? In May, when 38 games have been played and we've won the fucking league. Then sing it. Jesus Christ, it was poor today. Poor. But I'm not blaming Arsene Wenger for today. Get that right. I'm not blaming him. Can't blame him. At the end of the day, he put a strong team out there. He even made substitutes early, done things that he doesn't normally do. The players have got to take some responsibility today. They look- Arsenal fan TV right now is quite strange because all of last season, everyone was bagging Arsene Wenger to the point where it became quite monotonous. And I think the guys have realized that. So they're trying to have different angles. But they are turning on each other, as you can see here. But good perspective. You don't shout with top of the league when it's October and you've just drawn to Middlesbrough at home. Zero zero. So uh, Lance is here in studio. Before we get to him, though, I've got to play the clip of, uh, well, Jose Mourinho arriving at Stamford Bridge. And, um, well, this is what kind of greeted him. I don't know if this is, uh, if you're a Man United fan, then I, I guess this is going to be an awkward 25 seconds. There or thereabouts. And it's a, it's a good progress for a winner here. 
And here's Pedro to give Chelsea a flying start. Just over 30 seconds. And Mourinho's men have caved in here. An extraordinary beginning for the Blues. All of 30 seconds, they kicked the ball left, they kicked it right, and then there was a little through ball, and that Man United defence were just staring at each other, not knowing what's going on. 30 seconds, ball was in the back of the net, and as we know, the end score there was 4-0. So Jose Mourinho, this league is so competitive this year. Just look at where it is now. All the teams above Man United, they've all, all of them have to slip up in some way or shape or form for Man United to have any chance in the league this year. I mean, you can understand maybe two or three. Arsenal obviously are going to try to choke out how they, however they will, but you can't see it from the rest of them. Sorry, Man United fans, that was totally unintentional. I had no, no intention whatsoever of playing the second goal in the 20th minute mark. So that's your weekend wrap-up. There was obviously a lot of cricket, but we'll get into that towards the end of the show as well. There's currently a test match on the go. It's Pakistan versus West Indies. Pakistan are very much in the driver's seat here. Uh, 2-2-7 for 2. They lead by 455. They should have declared ages ago. They really should have. West Indies have no chance here, I think. Uh, they're better because I've got a certain bet on at the moment. Right, so that kind of is your intro t- to the show today, your wrap-up of the weekend. Uh, we're going to be changing the show up a little bit as we go along, get more interviews in. So if you've got any any people who you would love to have, have on the show, then please drop me an email, ben at thebounce.co.za. Right, Lance, we're going to get you in here. Mic number four, queued up in our beautiful Cliff Central studios here this morning. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Okay, very good. Um, Sans, I think before we get into it, congratulations for this weekend or in order, I see. Yeah, it was uh, actually a pretty good weekend, successful week- weekend all around. Um, they had the Extreme Festival, obviously the first racing event that Kyle Army's had uh, since the reopening. So uh, it was yeah, a good and, weekend. And you won uh, day two in the Thunder Bikes division. That's correct. Yeah. That, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> this is thunderous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, Lance, you are, well, I don't know how to, I always feel like I should never go too hard in the intro, you know, because then it feels like I'm just trying to get you on my good book straight away. <laughs> but your racing pedigree is, it really is quite something. Now, you've been racing bikes since probably before you ever really cared about running or doing anything else. I mean, you were BMXing and you were winning South African championships back in the 80s. That's give them away at my age now. Well, I, I said the 80. <laughs> didn't say which ones they were. Latter 80, so not too bad. Yeah. Uh, you then moved to 50 cc's and you went up from strength to strength there and you're currently racing the big dogs. Well, I wouldn't say currently racing. I mean, it's just you've been doing this for so long. Yeah. You have essentially toured the world. I mean, you've raced all the big circuits. You've, you've got a, a tremendous understanding of what superbikes are about and the amazing sport that it is. Now, this year, and this is one of the reasons I obviously become a lot more interested in it, um, my girlfriend loves Valentina Rossi because she's Italian. Uh, but Brad Binder had a bit more of a closer-to-home kind of take on all these things. Obviously, he's doing so well, MotoGP3, now into, into the number two. Um, it's difficult to say where do we start with you, but I've just got to ask the first question. Are you scared of anything? Um, I think... You know, like, as a motorcycle racer or a, a bike rider, you get asked these questions quite a lot. Because that's the first thing I look at. I watched this amazing documentary recently, and it was yeah. all about these guys. Um, it's got to be one of the most hair-raising of all sports yeah. to think the speeds you guys go at. Well, well to, to actually answer your question, you know, 
am I scared of anything? We get asked, asked the question a lot purely because everybody just thinks we're crazy doing what we're doing. Uh, we are to an extent, but I, I personally think that the fear is the, is the one thing that, the, that helps the sanity. It's almost like your grounding factor. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, if you're fearless, it can get you into serious trouble, especially when you, when you're riding these kinds of machines and, and they, they do well over 300 kilometers an hour. Uh, you could find yourself in, uh, in the Dwang very quickly. Uh, I was um, at Kailami recently. I was in a Nissan GTR, and I think we did 270 at one point. Now, this to me was just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. But I was in a car with a helmet, uh, seat belt. Everything was cool. Trained racing driver was driving me. There was still a element of fear for me. <laughs> so with you, like, at, at what age did it get to the point where you, you, you totally graduated towards the track and flat-out racing? Well, to start off with, I mean, uh, my dad rocked up at home uh, with a motorbike at the age of three. <laughs> when I was when I was three years old, I could ride a motorbike. I actually started riding a motorbike before I could ride a bicycle. So uh, I think the graduation was very immediate for me. <laughs> and uh, you know, starting I pretty much started from the grassroots levels of of two wheel two wheels riding BMX, then racing motocross, and then onto road racing. Um, the real graduation, I would say, um, into a more professional and, and more focused career was probably around 94, 95, uh, when I started racing road bikes and riding for, uh, back then was Castrol Honda, riding Grand Prix 125s, pretty much where Brad Binder is okay. currently. So was racing pretty much in your family then? Was that like your, yeah. your start? Yeah, it was. It pretty much was in, in the family. But my, my dad obviously tried to race back in the day, couldn't really for various reasons. Um, but uh, I think he his goal in life was to kind of live vicariously through me. And uh, it's been it's been an, an illustrious career. Okay, well that that's, that sounds like a fair thing. I mean, if you can't do it in the beginning, I mean, having a son that can take you to those heights. I mean, exactly. You see it in all sports, but it must be extra riveting here because it's kind of safer. No, on for the, sure. On the sidelines. Um, first thing I, I really wanted to kind of get into the interview was how people can get into a sport like motor racing. Obviously, there's going to be some costs involved as far as it's not like anything else. You can just sort of rock up onto a field and kick a ball around. Yeah. It's quite costly motor racing. Is that pretty much the biggest challenge of the sport, would you say? It is. It absolutely is. Um, you know, it's motorsport is actually not one of our, our go-to sports like the rest yeah. of the rest of the sporting codes that we have. Um, it is number one. The first thing is it's perceived to be an extremely dangerous sport. Mm. Number two, that it is quite expensive. It is. Both of those things, um, but uh, we there's kind of a movement now where we're trying to to develop skills, develop youngsters. Um, we're trying to make the sport more accessible. Right. It is very difficult because of you know just to convert people's minds to and you know because what we tend to see is you know you've got the same faces and and, and unless you're in this kind of elite club, uh, you you motor racing is just something you can't get into sure. but um we need to we need to actually and along with motorsport south africa we actually need to we need to go out there and and find uh, talent that that's untapped we need you know the the next brad binder might be out there somewhere but you know no one's no one's given him the opportunity to even put his leg over a bike or her leg over a bike well, that's the beauty of sport i think is because you get people who have conventional interests like in tennis or football or 
hockey or swimming or whatever. But there are those kids out there. I mean, I don't know if you were one of these or if you had other sporting interests. But you get these kids who just look at something and they're just bored, they're unstimulated. Yeah. And people say, well, obviously sport isn't for them. But then you can give them a whole new world like motorcycling. Yeah. And suddenly it's like you've tapped into every single stimulation this kid mm. could have. And that's a really good thing because then you're not losing anyone that you could have had in sport originally. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much how my dad my mom and dad brought me up is the fact that I had to, I had to, you know, try other sports because if I didn't make it as a Grand Prix bike rider or motorcycle racer, um, there had to be something else to fall back or some other interest. So, I mean, I got my Natal colors for gymnastics, All right. played hockey, um, played rugby at school, ex Marisburg college boy. So, uh, so, you know, there's the, I, I had my, my weeks and weekends full of activity. Which is healthy. I think that's why a lot of South Africans do actually succeed in sports or run because we are quite grounded and we've had to cut our teeth in other things. Yeah. But let's just say we've got, hypothetically speaking, we've got a kid. Um, he's got a bit of backing, has some sort of way of getting into the sport. Uh, what is the sort of progression? And you know, we always saw the story of Lewis Hamilton and go karting yeah. and how he wrote the letter to Mercedes and all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. that's how the story went. What is the ideal progression to say for, for a kid out there who wants to become the next Brad Binder? Well, um, you know, there's, there are, there are a few teams out there that are, you know, scouting around looking for youngsters that are, that have some talent. Um, unfortunately, um, our sporting body in this country, uh, is, doesn't, doesn't really help help us out and, and, and See, focus I, on. I was I was concerned we'd get to that quite early in your answer because my next question was, do you have to go overseas? But I mean, yeah. it's just well, well, if you think, well, prime example is uh, somebody like Brad Binder. He's been uh, he's been overseas from the age of twelve, thirteen years old, right. and that's where he's pretty much concentrated his entire entire career. And he's twenty one years old now. He's just turned twenty one. He's been racing internationally. His whole career, uh, we don't really have those kinds of opportunities here. Somebody like myself, I've started my own race team now, so um, I'm not going to be racing for too much longer. I've, I've had, like I said, I've had a quite a long career. So you know, with the likes of uh, BMW Motorrad and those guys, you know, we, we we're trying to put a plan to get plan in place to for me to actually develop the next Brad Binder or the next Lance Isaacs, as as it is. That's actually a really good point because. It's about giving back the whole time. So if you can do this with your own team and there are enough like-minded sponsors who actually have this yeah. idea, because it's a bit disheartening to tell a kid, like, look, you need to kind of go overseas. You've got no chance. Yeah. I mean, you hear it a few times with other sports. Um, look at tennis. You don't get a lot of government funding. You don't get a lot of support. Yeah. And of course, it also comes down to the reality that we haven't got a racing culture like there is in Europe. I mean, yeah. those people go mental for speed and Absolutely. anything with an engine, but they have been for decades. Absolutely. So yeah. it's very difficult for us, especially with you and your team to kind of just say, okay, right, we're going to create that. Yeah. We're going to get Kalami buzzing. Like it's a big, big job to do that. Well, the the, the beauty the beauty of 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 me kind of doing something like that is the fact that because I've I've spent such an extensive time racing internationally, I have all those international contacts. So the South African um, Championship, be it from the grassroots level all the way up to the top, um, we've got such a competitive uh, field of race of riders and, and racers, both car and and motorbike, um, that you know we we can. We have all the opportunities to, to prepare our youngsters to go overseas. There are some, some youngsters that have been competing internationally, um, this year, but in different divisions and have excelled, finished on the top of the podium and a few, a few of them have finished on the top of the podium, but we don't get to hear about it because 
uh, we don't, our government doesn't promote it like you say right. it's like a lot like with a lot of the other sports as well they don't they don't get any um they don't get any praises for it i think uh, our minister of sport uh only knew who Brad Binder was when the rest of the world started screaming and shouting that he was world champion yeah, he realized that because uh, he's got a, a, a Twitter selfieometer, yeah. and then Brad got on his timeline, so he realized he was important after that. Okay, <laughs> well, let's take a bit of a break from the racing side of things and just talk about bikes. Now, we all know traffic is getting worse and worse. Um, petrol prices are rising. There's more more function, uh, functional purpose, I reckon, than bikes right now, more than ever. How does someone who maybe have the wrong perception of biking get into biking? Like, what's the best step, would you say? Apart from getting a license, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's so many ways to get into buying. I mean, it, it's you know, you got a lot of guys that are doing it recreationally. Uh, either, I mean, it, it's not all about racing. It at, uh, at the end of the day, um, BMW Motorrad has actually got quite a quite a good program that they run where uh, they've they've got a, a, a riding school. Right. So, so you could go down to SWAT Corps, for example. Uh, you can make a booking at the at the BMW Riding Academy, and uh, they'll teach you start to finish. I mean, I, I've I've sent a couple of my my mates' wives actually to the academy, and now they they are happy family uh, riding motorcycles uh, every other weekend or just commuting to work. Especially, like, in the, especially in the Joburg traffic. Exactly. But like anything else, you have a respect for what's happening. You understand a bike, how to ride and all those things. It's not, it shouldn't be as daunting as some people make out it to be. Oh, no, it shouldn't be. Um, it's, you know, with obviously the, 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 the thing is to try to get the awareness out there of, of, of other motorists. And I think, yeah. I think motorists are becoming a lot more aware of, of, uh, motorcycles out there. Especially, especially since the, when they see the, see the other guys or, or uh, the motorcycle commuters riding to work and, and getting there, leaving much later in the mornings than they are, uh, straddling lanes through the traffic while they, they're sitting in the biggest parking lot <laughs> between, uh, between posts. It's something I definitely notice more of now that definitely are more people riding in traffic. Yeah. In, uh, from big bike to small, obviously, depending on what you do, because some guys could commute on the weekend, but then they've yeah. got a bike like one of those big BMW GSs and they go outwards. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, that's the beauty. You can, it's a dual purpose thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know the guys with the with the big GS bikes. Uh, we come weekend. The, the the big corporates take their suits off and and put on a completely different suit. Got uh, riding bikes in the bush, and it's it's actually become such a family sport because the guys put panniers on the bike, wife uh, either riding their own bike or on the back of the bike, and they go out camping for the weekend. Man, that sounds like fun. <laughs> um, right, so. Uh, crap, I had, I had such extensive notes here, but I see that's actually run a bit thin. So <laughs> at the moment you, you are, you've got your own team. Now, now what, what brought that on? Is it because you wanted to kind of get to a point where you could give back to the sport or were you just getting tired of working with other people too much? <laughs> because that's what happens when you become a big deal, Lance. I mean, to be honest, you're just tired of taking orders and you want to do your own thing? Well, you know, it, it's, it was actually, it's always been good, uh, you know, just rocking up at the track and, uh, and everything's prepared and waiting for you. Uh, not in, not having to, to be involved in all the organization, et cetera, et cetera. But, I, but you know, the difficulty with finding sponsors every year for racing and, and, uh, you know, just if infrastructure as a whole. Um, I thought, you know, I'm not going to race forever. What do I do? You know, do I just hang up my helmet and walk away from it? Or do I actually want to still be involved? And, and, Obviously, the obvious choice for me is to still be involved. And uh, obviously, with BMW Motorrad being 
being my, uh, backing me at this at uh, this. I've been an ambassador for them for the past uh, three years. Um, it's it's been a natural progression for me to actually own my own team. Um, nice. Find younger talent. There are some kids out there that you know need help, need some direction. I've always got people asking, oh, you know, don't you want to c- come and uh, give us help my kid? So um, you know, I thought, what better way for me to actually give back than have my own team, possibly help some other youngster win championships. Um, you know, Valentino Rossi's done the same thing as well. He's now got his own uh, Sky VR forty six race team. All right, and training camp. So, uh, blue sky thinking here. I mean, with the right backing and the right talent, is there a chance that you can obviously take your team to the, like the big time as far as the big world circuits? Oh, absolutely. Is this very much a plan that you've it's, got? It's very, very much a plan. Um, so much so that recently there have been some developments where um, we've seen that the World Superbike Championship is actually starting a um, a junior a junior oh, European brilliant. Cup uh, for for kids between the age of uh, I think it's ten and sixteen. Uh, it's going to be a three hundred cup junior a three hundred cc junior cup. Uh, and what's made it absolutely perfect is BMW's actually just come out with a with a new three a G three ten. Um, motorcycle, so uh, it'll it, it'll fit in perfectly uh, to for for me to develop, let's say, two youngsters, for example, uh, exploiting my contacts in in Europe to get them over yeah. to to compete on that international level uh, occasionally. That's massive, exciting because I mean, obviously, the girls also like the fast the fast rides. So I mean, you got to give options <laughs> to kids, and this is a sexy option to go to. So we all know that obviously around the track you're pretty handy, but what's your day to day sort of bike? I mean, you're obviously not speeding around. Do you take it quite chilled? Yeah, no, I'm I'm very chilled. I'm very uh, I'm, I'm very uh, slow and, and cautious when it comes to to riding on the road. As you know, I mean it's it is it is pretty dangerous out there. You got to look. Um, I might know what I'm doing, but you know I've got to look out for for everyone else that's out there. My garage is uh, it, it's pretty good. I've got an S1000RR parked in there. Uh, also, one of my favorite bikes in the in the in the garage is the um, BMW R9T. It's yeah. kind of like one of the cafe races, uh, custom bike. It's they're, they're absolutely beautiful. So talk us through the difference between if I had to go and buy a super bike right now, how different is it to the bike that you would race on a track? Not very different. Um, the bikes that we're racing on the track, is, they're, they're, they're production-based. Um, buy it off the showroom floor. There's very few um, real engine modifications that we can do or that okay. we do do. So um it's you, you, what you be you what you're riding is probably uh, if you what you're taking off the showroom floor is 90% of what I'm really? racing around the track. So it's not got like ridiculously expensive clutches and no body parts well, and stuff. Well the 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 rules that we run here in South Africa in in our in our category um, we're trying to keep the bikes as, as close to production as, as possible. Try to keep the cost down. You know, when it comes to, when you come to MotoGP and World Superbikes, that's when, when the costs start coming in because those guys, excuse me, those guys are, are, um, they're, they're putting some serious, serious money into, into building, building race bikes. I mean, you, by the time they, they go, they line up on the start line, that bike's worth at least, at least a million rand. Well, because that was my next question. What are the sort of numbers we're talking about? Are actual race-ready bikes, <laughs> about a million rand. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, you know, the kind of the the amount of work and effort that goes into um, us building my race bikes, uh, for example. You know, we we throw probably another hundred and fifty thousand rand at it after buying it off the showroom floor. 
Sure. Okay, so getting back to my original question about your average guy, so tired of traffic, so tired yep. of just sitting there getting parked Monday to Friday on roads and watching bikers go through. What would so no experience, you've got to get your learners, get yep. some bike experience. What would yep. you say uh, would be the best first step as far as getting a bike? Because you don't want to get like a big thing straight away because that yeah. could actually be too overpowering, but yeah. also you don't want to do anything with too little poke. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, you know, obviously we often see the guys, some people making mistakes. You know, they they have this brainwave that they want to ride a bike and never ridden a motorcycle before going by a super bike. Scare the bejesus out of themselves and then then that's it. Game over. Um, or feared worse, you know, they end up killing themselves. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I would, I would really say start off with something small, uh, like a 600 or a 300 cc, something that you can commute on, uh, or, or actually go to, go to a track day. Um, there, there are so many options of, of track days that, that, that you got, uh, especially around Joburg or even in Cape Town, uh, Durban, they've got, they've got some track days that they run down in Port Shepston. So, I mean, as a beginner, because you know, it's not too much of an intimidating environment. You can actually yeah. go to these things with people just like you starting yeah. out. All like-minded individuals all going in the same direction. That's brilliant. And there's, and there are instructors at those days, you know, that, that are, will give you all the right advice, um, teaching you from beginning to end how to ride. Uh, one uh, I might hop on it, but BMW's got their riding academy at SWAT Corps. You it doesn't matter if you whether you own a bike or not. They have machinery for you to to learn from the beginning all the way up to the, from from the entry level uh, 200cc to a 1200cc GS. So and they, and they provide all the the rider gear for you as well. Okay, because you don't have to go and buy the leathers yeah. and all that kind of it's, stuff. Yeah, you don't have to go through the expensive exercise and and uh, then decide later. Okay, this was a cock idea. Okay, so you um, people can actually come and meet you and find out more about your career at the Pure and Craft Festival, right? Yeah, it's a Pure and Crafted event that's going to be happening at uh, Pure and Crafted. Yeah, okay. it's being presented by uh, BMW Motorrad. Okay, so that's 26th, 27th November. So what are people going to be looking out for at this event? It's not just going to be a whole bunch of guys revving bikes and some spit price on the go. <laughs> no, no. It's a, bit, it's a bit nicer than that. Yeah, it's, it is definitely going to be a lot nicer than that because, uh, you know, there's, it's going to be quite a quite a massive lineup. Uh, once again, it does, you don't have to be a biker and you can come and speak to me and, uh, we'll do, we'll be doing some art rides. Uh, I think you should come, come around. Maybe you and I can go for, for a little spin around the, the picturesque, um, region of Mulder's Drift. <laughs> well, this does sound, this does sound pretty good. Uh, if you do want to get tickets to this event, um, what's the, where is the best website? Sorry, I should look this up. I think it's a new ticket. Uh, you, you can actually go into a new ticket for, 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 Pre-sales. Okay. Um, it's going to be cheaper. Huh? Just in you. That's right. Yeah. Okay. In uh, ticket. And then, uh, you, or, or you can actually buy tickets at the at the gate. Uh, I would really suggest that. I mean, it's going to be a family, a family affair, family event. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be some really cool uh, South African artists performing. Everyone from Prime Circle to Good Luck Polytones. Uh, Dean Fuel's going to be playing down there. Um, it's Mikasa. It's going to be. It's 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 going to be an all-round festival for for everybody. Okay, so if you've got any hankering towards being a biker at any different stage, first you can go meet Lance. Easy. He'll, he'll motivate you. He'll inspire you to do that. Then you've got, you've got somewhere else you can just go and listen to music. You can just look at all the bikes. I'll take this to be a big bike display there. 
Absolutely. There's so going to be some custom bike builders uh, uh, that are there. It's another, another little passion of mine is, uh, you know, I, I like the, 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 the classic custom bikes, uh, that the guys are building. Cafe races are things that are actually taking over the world by storm right now. Yeah. So, um, there are some, we've got some really creative guys in, in South Africa that are, that are doing some excellent work on, uh, on building custom, custom bikes. And there'll be, there'll be quite a few bikes on display, um, at, at the, at the event. And more importantly, there'll be, uh, some German beer. <laughs> being, being everything German and BMW, uh, there'll be, there'll be craft beers on sale and, and some good food and wine. Well, this looks brilliant. So that's 26th, 27th November in Mildes Drift if you are here in the Gauteng. Otherwise, Lance, where can we find you social media wise? Um, even if it's just to look at pictures of your garage with the bikes. <laughs> yeah, social media on uh, Instagram and Twitter, you can get hold of me at, at Lancelot38. Um, that's for both, uh, both platforms. And, uh, yeah, I've got a, my athlete page is, uh, Lance Isaacs. So on Facebook. So you guys can, uh, can catch up with me and follow, follow me on, on those platforms. Ask questions. I'm more than willing to answer. Fantastic. Well, Lance, that's, um, yeah, I'm like, I'm dead keen on this. I, I love these events. Also, the fact that I want to become more of a biker. I think that's, that's my, my full on, um, development into adulthood is to become more of a biker. Yeah. Rather than just a little commuter of 5Ks a day. <laughs> Lance, thanks so much for your time today. Um, we'll get all the details of this event. Of course, if you go into the balance.ca.ca after the show live or if you're listening on, on podcast, just scroll down. Lance, uh, wish you all the best. The remaining days on the track and producing the next you and the next yeah. Brad Binder and the next maybe local Valentino Rossi one day. Who knows? Absolutely. With all the insights and passion that you have, we can't go too far wrong. Okay, we've got um, a little wrap-up of the weekend coming up now, but a like different kind of take on it. We're going to get more into the soccer we shouldn't do earlier. So while I bring in my next guest, here's some more from those Australians who really were just so heartbroken. Oh, crap, I've done it again. Got the wrong thing up. There we go. Australians heartbroken. Dylan Commentary. You come in, they won the game, so they're the ones laughing. So what do you do? Stephen, the New Zealand commentators on the radio also said that um, sections of the crowd booing Quade Cooper was... Yeah, that's been going on for a long time, mate. And well, they said it, but you know, it's that's up to them, mate, how they behave. Michael, you feel like you've finished the year, having closed the gap? Oh, we haven't finished the year yet. <laughs> uh, well, not really by the score. You know what I mean? I think we like if you look at the score, and that's what tells tales in the end, doesn't it? You know. So I thought the first game was a non-event. Like we, we were really poor in the first game. In the second game, I thought we played uh, we played not too bad. We improved and brought a lot more to the game, a lot more of a contest. But they, they were too good for us in finishing. You know, again, turnovers hurt us, and and uh, the turnover on the kick as well. And then and then again tonight, I thought we improved our play again, but turnovers. Hit, so we've got to learn. We've got to start learning that you cannot turn the ball over against these chaps because they'll they'll punish you. Now the match is over. Do you guys, um, you know, share a beer tonight with your backs and that sort of thing? Or? Uh, not that I know. We haven't been invited or anything. So you know, it's about like we had a reception after the Wellington game, so we, we did that there. But no, we haven't been invited. Is the relationship between the two teams frayed? It seems quite like, on edge. I wouldn't say so. I'd say they're on top and we're, <laughs> we're nowhere at this stage. I think that's the relationship between the teams. Right. Personally as opposed to on the field. Oh, yeah, mate, that, the, the, I would say that got me a little bit offside was the accusation that we tried to bug them. Like, really? Hello? 
honestly. That, that they had that the whole week, and then they tried to. That's what would cause that bad for me. That that show of, of lack of respect, that stuff. Because like Matt, I wouldn't even be smart enough to get that stuff organised. I'm too busy working on my own team. Yet they hold on to it, drop it at the day of the game. But they don't need to do that stuff. They're too good anyway. So you know, it's only that they want to do it to try and needle either me or us or whatever. But that's yeah, I wouldn't say it's like friendly. But then again, the opposition, you're not supposed to be friendly with the opposition, eh? I, I didn't think. You wouldn't share a beer with them tonight? Of course I would if you invited me in. It's not yeah. like, mate, it's not, it's not personal. It's team against team. You know what I mean? But it, it, of course I would. Well, it just sounds like, I wouldn't say sour grapes, but it just sounds like there is some needle between those two teams. But you almost just want... Us, okay, easy there. Uh, you almost want the, the other teams to be better than the All Blacks, huh? Or just get up to a level where they can start contesting them because you, you're just so... It's so tiring seeing all these crestfallen coaches after taking an All Black thrashing. You think like, okay, well, what what can the guy say? He can't talk smack because he's just taken like 40 points. He can't say, well, wait until the next game because it's going to happen this game as well. So it'd be nice if the rest of the rugby world could just pick it up and um, with that... Hopefully, be able to contest the All Blacks. Okay, so we've got um, a little bit of time left. I and mean, if you have, if you if you did miss any of the Lance Isaacs um, interview, you can catch all of it here. But um, uh, that's all about motor, motorbike racing, and of course, the Pure and Craft Festival that's coming up. That's going to be a huge highlight. So we spoke at the beginning of the show how we um, going to talk Springbok squad. Okay, so Alistair Garcia named a squad of the weekend to take on uh, the. Northern Hemisphere Tour. So it's going to be a bit of a disappointment in that um, we play England, New Zealand don't play England. Now I say disappointment because you want to see the best two teams in the world go at it. You don't necessarily want to see an out-of-form box side taking on English team. There are some injury concerns, of course. Um, but, you know, England, I think, is a strong side. They're definitely going to power through it. So just a quick look at our, our squad for this. Um, you can just go through it with me and think who the names that should be there, should not be there. So in the forwards, we've got Philem Albert, Sianni Duplessis, Peter Steftatori, Yaku Creel, Vincent Koch, Bongi Mbanambi, Tendayam Taurira, Oprah Mahojo, Adrian Strauss, retained as captain, Luke Diogo, Jean-Luc Duprea, Ibn Ezebeth, Stephen Kitzoff, Malcolm Marks, Franco Mostert, Trevor Nukani, Rulof Smith, and Warren Whiteley. So it's pretty much the exact same squad that happened to go, well, run around the rugby championship and be given a run around. No Francois Lowe this time around because he will be sitting out with injury. So, uh, Rilof Smith, the, the Blue Bulls player who I think will be a fantastic fetcher going forward. He has been thrust into the team now. Now, which is quite a ballsy call considering he only played about four or five games in the carry cup. He was a junior spring box. The pedigree very much is there. He's a big burly guy and he understands the breakdown so well. We need a guy like this. Obviously, Yoko Creel will probably be the first choice open sider for this tour, but he's not really the breakdown specialist that we need. And there's northern hemisphere conditions, which are obviously much heavier underfoot. We do need that. Jean-Luc Dupre, obviously a very talented, um, big, burly ball carrying loose forward. He's a great inclusion. Been pretty handy in Super Rugby, of course, carried it on with Carry Cup. He was part of the SAA side as well. So I think they've got some good names in there. I just think one more season with the, the Cheetahs currently where they are now, and there's some really great forward talent in there as well, which could be coming through. So this is so frustrating. You look at this team, you look at all the names, and you go, you know what, this is actually pretty, this is pretty handy. We could do well in this tour. But we all know that the base currently is just so all over the place. So much so that we've, um, well, Hopes aren't particularly high with this with this tour. Now Yanni Duplessis has come in. No, he's not the team doctor. He will actually be playing. So we've got a real shortage of tight air props right now. Julian Redling has obviously with that terrible neck injury. 
Um, no Francois Herbert either. So we've got to have Yanni coming in as backup. Moving on to the backs, there's a couple of great inclusions here as well, just to run you through those names. Uh, Ruan Combrick has come back from his broken leg. Fafta Cloak will be there. Brian Abana, Jesse Creel, Vili LaRue, Rudy Page, JP Peterson, Pete Van Sale is a scrum off cover. Damien de Allender, Johan Corson, Alton Junchies, Pat Lambie, Lionel Mapu, Sergio Peterson and Francois Fenter, the last two names obviously being from the Curry Cup side that just won the Curry Cup. Now, Sergio Peterson, what he lacks in size, he makes up for in absolutely every other aspect of play. The guy is so dynamic and he's always looking for work as well. He scored the, the final try of the Curry Cup final, but I think if you give this guy any sort of space whatsoever, he's going to be an absolute handful. But it's about incorporating guys that get into the team. So there's no point really just sort of picking them and then expecting them to chase high balls like it's been it's been great for so long. We've got to start incorporating these guys into it. Same with Francois Fenter. There is a real dynamic center who can unleash guys like Peterson on the outside. So it'd be very interesting to see selection-wise what's going to happen here. Obviously, they're going to go with tried and tested. I think Dallander will be retained at, at 12. We could see Jesse Creel coming back at number 13 to reignite the World Cup pairing, who were okay, let's be honest. They haven't really reached any big heights just yet. Or, you know, will something else happen in that center pairing? Lionel Mapu, will he get another chance for Francois Fenn to come into it? Those are the four guys in the centers there. But then again, you've got to also consider the option of Johan Kursen playing center. He's done so well in that French league in the center position. So whether or not he's going to come into that, well, it all really depends. Things I want to talk about, though, it's got to be the exclusion of Dwayne Vermeulen and Franz Steyn. Now, Franz Steyn, say what you want about the guy. I mean, he what, won a World Cup in 19. He's had some issues on and off the field. And uh, he's obviously been very outspoken about what goes on around... Um, it's a rugby. So he hasn't been included despite the fact that his form is consistently good in the Northern Hemisphere. So you've got to think that in heavier conditions, experience has got to come into this. He hasn't been included. And then Dwayne Vermeulen, according to Alistair Sears, says that he doesn't want to be selected because his fitness isn't good enough. Let's just think about this for a second, right? Now, Dwayne, when he played in May, was obviously off his best, and it wasn't great. And again, according to Alistair Sears, he says his reputation took a bit of a beating. So, he's currently playing for Toulon. He's fit enough to start for them. This is not a crappy side. This isn't a club team in the lower reaches of amateur rugby. This is a full-on, flat-out European champion side. So, if he can't be fit enough while playing for them, you've got to ask some questions about what this understanding of fitness is. Because Dwayne once went into an all-black test at Ellis Park with about one working shoulder. And uh, he managed to get man of the match in that one. And uh, the box won that day. And then you got a guy like Pat Lambie who took a knock to the head and basically saw double for three months. He then came back somehow and played uh, for the Springboks in the back of 20 minutes in the rain against Eastern Province. Now, you can't tell me that Dwayne right now is less fit or less capable than Pat Lambie was coming into that team. Whether, again, this is true about the self-admission uh, of this, uh, obviously truth in the fact that because his wife's giving birth to his second child, that he really wants to focus on that, it just sounds a bit fishy. Again, I don't think we ever get the full answers in SA Rugby as fans. So, I mean, who knows what's going to go down from there. So that is pretty much our squad. We've got the Barbarians on uh, the 5th of November in London. Now, this is a squad that's going to have a much bigger and broader um, fresh-faced bunch of South African rugby players. That's because this match falls into the window where the overseas guys cannot be picked for international play. So we'll see a very different side there. Um, hang on a sec. 
Sorry, I'm just battling the end of a sickness, but I'll be right next week, I promise. And then we've got England in London, November the 12th. Now we are going to take a hammering here. There's no other way around it. This team is going to be beaten. How much is the question? It's not going to be like an all-black beating, but it's going to be a sound one all the same. England are currently on a big unbeaten run themselves. Eddie Jones has turned it around. We all know that. So that's not looking so good. November the 19th, Italy in Florence. So that's going to be the game which the Springboks can regroup, get a decent win of their belts because they're going to need all the confidence they can going to the final match, which will be Wales, and that's in Cardiff, November the 26th. So that is your basic rundown of the overseas tour. Of course, Franco Smith has been involved in the Cheetahs becoming so great and winning the Curry Cup. He is now part of the Springbok coaching staff for this tour on a short-term contract, along with Lions specialist defensive coach JP Ferreira. Louis Kuhn also been added. So by and large, this is a much better-looking and sounding and structured squad. Whether we'll see better results, always hard to tell because rugby championship played on a much more fast running conditions is a lot more difficult than, uh, sorry, a lot different than the heavier sort of more kicking battles that we'll see in the Northern Hemisphere. So those are the games coming up. Just before we go though, we've got AK in the studio. AK has been in around the Cliff Central studios recently. Uh, we've been talking sport. So there was a lot that we did, I didn't get to over the weekend. Uh, obviously Sundowns winning the Ch- CAF Champions League. That's a huge thing. And the Proteas had, um, well, they had a decent intro into Australia. Yeah. AK, which one do you want to start with? Um, I don't know. Since um, Sundowns are the you know, champions of Africa, I think we should start with them. They lost um, last night actually by a goal to nil um, to Zamalik away, and there was a lot of controversial um, controversialness happening in and around the in and around the match because they were sus- they didn't they were denied the practice session. I think um, two days before kickoff. Uh, old tricks with these yeah, guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> down in Egypt. So they were denying that. Um, they couldn't practice, and they were supposed to have about fifteen thousand fans, you know, um, supporting um, Egypt. I mean, Egypt side Zamalek because I think they were banned for the flares and the flashing of those green flashes. Yeah, those lasers. Yeah, those lasers. So now they actually added more. They said twenty thousand, and then eventually at the end they had eighty-five thousand fans backing them, and we had less than um, fifteen. Fans. That so, must have been so daunting for that yeah. patch of Sundowns players. Huh? And you know the Sundowns guys. Um, I, I think Coach puts, um, Coach Musimana actually told the guys to actually defend because there was no way they were going to win um, um, against a crowd like that because you know it's always um, one man extra when you're facing um, up north African teams. You know, especially at their home ground. So well done to the boys. They've got a star finally after 11 years. You know, I think they lost. Well, they lost in 2001. So yeah, this is this is it, and they're on their way back to South Africa as we speak. So well done to Sundowns for bringing back the CAF Champions League. Well, it's a big deal because now they're playing the FIFA World yeah. Club Championship yeah, in I mean, December. Yeah, can you imagine guys who were just got into the Sundowns team and not so long ago they were playing against other nobodies in yeah, like a PSL? Like now they're they now, back, but now they're like in a tournament where Ronaldo's going to be playing. And most of them have never actually dreamed of playing against Ronaldo because Real Madrid is going to be there and all other. Teams that have um, topped they um, um, league respectively are going to be there. So it's 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 a massive it's 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 it's, it's a huge achievement for Sundowns and for the players and the coach as well. You know we're not saying they're going to win, but I mean it's going to be a tough one. A lot of African countries, Tipi Mazembe, they usually compete well in that. But yeah, good luck to Sundowns, man, for the for the FIFA Club Championship. Yeah, what an amazing opportunity to have your game. I mean, whenever you're around people who are much better than you, you yeah. you raise your game. So yeah. I mean, like the belief. Because we've had some pretty lean years, uh, 
results wise and success wise and all kinds of, of SA football. This is a really, really big deal. And, um, and then obviously the Proteas had their first warm up match against the Crickets Australia 11 with the, yeah. with the pink ball. So this is the whole thing, <laughs> about, the whole thing about this test match being under an odd about is that the, the Proteas obviously didn't want to kind of play because it was yeah. so untested. Um, but then Crickets Australia were like, Hey, cool. We'll give you some warm up matches. So this was the first one. And our guys didn't do too badly. Yeah, they did it. And, um, speaking of that, I think, um, West Indies also are currently playing a a, a day nighter against Pakistan. So uh, I mean, that was that was last week, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 it's, it's everyone is going to eventually come on board and and play these um, um day night. Yeah, and um, Quinton de Kock was man of the match. He had um he knocked 123, or so f- uh, 51 by Amla and JP Dumini also he scored above 70 runs. So um the guys are looking in good. In good touch, especially coming back from that New Zealand test, I think we stand a chance in the first two. I think the the, the day night is the lo- is the last one in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. So I think if we get a good result in the first two, maybe a draw and a win. I don't know. Maybe we can we can stand a chance of actually getting um, some confidence into this day night because it's going to be our first time using the pink ball under lights. So the, the boys are on current form because of 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 players being picked on merit. I guess so. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 the squad is starting to gel. So yeah, man. Um, that's that's what's been happening actually in down in Australia with um with cricket. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Look, it's a really good unit. Obviously, they beat the Aussies in the one days. Um, yeah. You know, we we start off in Perth. Perth was always traditionally a great place, not because many South Africans live there, but <laughs> winning in Perth is something that we have done yeah. before and we can do. And obviously, the seeming um, wicket does help us. It'd be very difficult to kind of just judge what's going to happen in Hobart. That's the second test. So I mean, look, if we get a win in the first one, we can draw the second one. I think we're very much very much favourites yeah. going to Adelaide. But it'd be interesting to see which um, which side is going to be more difficult. Are the batsmen going to find it more difficult? Are the bowlers find it more difficult to control the ball? Kyle Abbott, who guess get a lot of seam movement, he was saying it does very little during the day, that pink ball. But the yeah. moment you get into that sort of dusk period and you get into the under the lights, the ball I mean, does a lot. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's quite a lot to kind of consider when you when you toss in that coin on day one. And actually, um, it's, it's going to be very vital for the seamers. Um, you know, Kaki Sorabada, is, he, he doesn't have um, um, much experience, but he's, he's doing well. So they... Him, Dale Stain, Kyle Abbott, Morn, and Morkel is back into the into the mix as well. They both, um, well, they actually all picked up two wickets apiece. So it's 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 good signs for um our seamers. But now we've got to look at it in this way that um Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood, um those guys are coming back in the mix as well. So it's going to yeah. be they got proper line. Yeah, it's, it's 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 going to be much um uh, it's going to be a very different um seam attack than what we saw in the one days. So it's going to be a very Balanced contestant. I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm backing the Proteas to win this one, probably 2 1. I don't know. Well, it's going to be results. And <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of the pink ball. We're not going to see too many draws with that pink yeah. ball. Yeah, we this have to play. Have results, always yeah. has to go on. Okay, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for joining us. Get the whole, problem. if you've been listening live, get it all on the bounce.co.za or if you've gone to cliffcentral.com, find the bounce show page and you get old episodes where I've spoken to lots of other fantastic guests. Big thanks to Lance for coming through, our motorcycling champ. And uh, otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Thanks for your time. Cliffcentral.com